right, Docs. Let's face it. Time to get real. You tune into Docs Outside the Box because you want to know how to take control of your career, right? Well, look, my new sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts ready to guide Docs just like you through today's job landscape. Now, whether you are looking to dive deeper into your specialty or you want to find a healthier work-life balance, they can help find the right fit for you. So I want you right now to start the conversation with a PSND career coach at psdrecruit.org forward slash docs outside the box. All right, everyone. Thank you for rolling with me. We have made it all the way to the end of October, and this is episode nine for the month. Definitely a record. Definitely um, have not put out this many episodes in a month ever. I think on average, I'm putting in roughly around four to six episodes a month, but there's been just so much controversy, so much stuff going on this month that we just had to keep recording. I had to put my two cents in and definitely had to continue to bring people on who had strong opinions and share those opinions with you. And this episode is not any different. Now, I recorded this episode the first week in October. This is around the time when President Trump got COVID and then his physician, Dr. Sean Connolly, who is osteopathic physician, you know, all of the vitriol, the misinformation, the malrepresentation of the osteopathic physician. I definitely had some strong takes on this and I decided to bring on three other amazing friends of mine who are osteopathic physicians also. That's Dr. Jen Caudill, who's a family medicine physician. We have Dr. Thais Gaines, who's an ER physician, and Dr. Tyree Winters, who's a pediatrician. And they're going to all talk about all these issues that were going on related to these comments. So this is going to be a long one, but this is going to be a good one. And I want you to share this with people who would benefit from this. Definitely share this to medical students as well as pre-med students so that they can really understand what's really going on within the osteopathic field. Obviously, this is not the end-all be-all, but this is a great conversation for them to listen to, to understand how we feel, how osteopathic physicians feel about what's been going on. All right. Make sure you share this, tweet this out, hit me up on social media. Without further ado, I present my super team of osteopathic physicians to talk about the controversy with Dr. Sean Conley and osteopathic medicine in general. Let's get it. All right. Three, two, one. What's good, everyone? How y'all doing? I got a superhero crew of osteopathic physicians. This is amazing. Dr. Jen Caudill, thank you so much for jumping on. Dr. Thais Gaines, Dr. Tyree Winter, what's up? Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. How y'all doing? Doing good. Good. So I call y'all my super team because y'all literally are superheroes. Y'all doing amazing things, both inside the hospital and outside of the hospital. And you know, I know y'all are busy, so I just want to say thank you very much for jumping on this. But obviously, things had just blown up earlier this week and into last week that I was like, lot, we got to talk about this. You know what I'm saying? The only way we know how to on Docs Outside the Box as a topic outside the box. So I want to get y'all on here and talk about your opinions because y'all are doing great things as osteopathic physicians. So with that being said, last week, obviously, uh, the commander-in-chief acquired COVID-19. We ain't going to go too much into that, right? But that's an entire whole thing we can talk about. But acquired COVID-19, got sent over to Walter Reed. And just like any other major situation that happens, the physicians come out, they come in their whole little formation and so forth. But I guess the head physician is Sean Conley. He's an osteopathic physician who was trained, I believe, at Lake Erie. 
College of Osteopathic Medicine. And, you know, PCOM. He's Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine? Okay. And I think it was very visible, his name, as well as his credentials. And there are some questionable things as to when the president developed symptoms, just some things that in general, people were just like, hmm, that's not making sense. And then I think when people started to look up this gentleman's credentials, then they started putting one plus one to make four and then started taking all of these different things and taking pot shots at the osteopathic physician profession, which we know is not warranted. So what are your thoughts on all this? Who wants to go first? I'm going to throw it up as a jump ball and then we're going to just kind of take this where this goes. Let's go, Dr. Jen. What do you think? Well, so I saw the New York Times article that came out and there was a New York Times article that was talking about the medical team and kind of going through that. And in particular, it was talking about Dr. Connolly. And they made a number of statements that I found factually incorrect about DOs and osteopathic physicians and even the osteopathic medicine profession. And I guess I was just really disappointed and I was saddened. And, you know, in my opinion, it just did so much damage. Like, you know, when words are out there, you know, as much as we can go back and we can fight them, we can retract we can correct, you know, those words are out there. And it's the New York Times, which I subscribe to, I read on a daily basis. So I was really disappointed, especially in this day and age, we're finding information. It really is. And in this day and age, it's not that hard to find information. I mean, the New York Times has some of the best, you know, the best journalists in the world. And with a quick Google search, you can actually find out what a DO is and what a DO is not. So I was disappointed and I'm frustrated. You know, I was looking at, Rachel Maddow even got caught up in this. And Rachel Maddow can take any story and start all the way literally from like the time Jesus was born and try to make a connect from here, there and all that stuff and do all this research. And she got it wrong. You know, she still hasn't retracted her statement yet, I don't think. But Dr. Ty, what do you think? I'm walking through the stages of uh, grief. <laughs> I was very angry a couple, uh-huh. <laughs> a couple of days ago. Pretty fired up, actually, because... Just like Dr. Jen said, it's so simple to just look things up now, right? Like a simple Google search would have solved this. I was disappointed from the voices that it was coming from CNN, MSNBC, New York Times. Like we're not talking about some of these like spinoff websites that somebody created in their basement. We're talking about journalists. So that coming from me being a journalist, you know, I have a master's in journalism. I did news for almost 20 years. That alone was disappointing. Then there's the other side of actually being a DO and just watching the comments beneath some of these posts or after some of these things aired. I mean, like, Straight you were just being dragged. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, what did we ever do to you? You know, like, it was really, really disappointing. And, you know, we all work very hard. I understand that the general public may not be completely schools on what exactly the differences are or the similarities are between DO and MD, but it just went so negative so fast that I was just like, whoa, like there wasn't even a moment of like, what is a DO? That's interesting. It went straight to, he's not even a real doctor. What are these folks? And then even the one, the articles that tried to explain it, things like, oh, osteopathic physicians are generalists and you can be you know, a primary care physician, but most of us are, have, you know, that practice. We all are board certified in a specialty, even if it is a primary care specialty. So that's another misconception. And so, I mean, we can definitely talk more about my anger, but 
I was disappointed across the board. Bring that um, anger out. Sure. Bring that anger out. So I got a tweet here. That's what I'm looking at with my phone. So there's a tweet here from Lawrence O'Donnell. It says, how many times will Trump's doctor, who is actually not an MD, have to change his statements? And it was just like, dag, like, bro, like, it was almost like they were trying to be punitive in nature. And then once they found out that he wasn't an MD, it was just like, oh, that makes sense. And then that's why I said one plus one would be equal to four. And it's like, it, that part I didn't really understand. Like you said, was like the vitriol of not finding out that he's an allopathic physician not understanding what type of physician he is and then just using that as a reason as to why you're questioning why you have so many issues with the timeliness of when they're updating on the president's health or all these things that don't make sense. That's not related to his credentials at all, actually. That's just related to the doctor in general. So, Dr. Tyree, jump in on this, man. What do you think? You know what? I'm not surprised by one means because if we want to really go back into history and think about this, most recently, we had to deal with David Gergen, who had something to say mm-hmm. about CNN before, who mm-hmm. had questioned the Dr. Connolly's degree at that time of being a DO. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing is, is that... Th- this is recently about, or way back? Yeah, it was, it was a few months ago. Okay. Yeah. A couple months ago, maybe. About a month, mm-hmm. a few months, almost to a year, mm-hmm. I want to say. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is that because this came about when Trump's health when his recent, when his physical was done. Yep. And it was right around the time that we were starting the election cycle that was going on. He had a physical that was done. Dr. Connolly had stated that Trump was in excellent health besides a little bit of cholesterol issues, which we all know phenotypically he is demonstrating obesity at its finest. However, (laughs) this is what was said questions that were being made about whether or not his physician was being accurate with his statements or was being kind of allowing this gaslighting that Trump is so used to doing. And that's when David Gergen said, well, he's just an osteopath. Mm. First and foremost, we go further back. If you don't mind me interrupting, David Gergen actually did this again a couple months ago. See, I didn't know about that first time. He did it a few months ago. It was during COVID. And I tweeted, and a few other people tweeted, he actually issued an apology. So he's done that more than once, apparently. I didn't know about the time in 2016, but he did it again recently. Yeah. Well, it wasn't 2016, but it was like around like when this election cycle started, since we started so early this time, like around like 2018, early 2019. But what I was going to say is, is that if you really start to go back into history and think about all of the issues that we have to deal with, number one, the American Osteopathic Association does not condone the use of osteopath for U.S. trained osteopathic physicians. We are osteopathic physicians. For the record, they've been acting like a 16-year-old tweeting, yo. They have been clapping back, yo. <laughs> Their tweets are mad. Thing. They, they should. But you would think it'd be like, oh, well, an osteopathic physician is... Sh-. They're like, no. Like, listen, this, 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 this. It's like, it's pretty cool, actually. No, I mean, but this is that, like, I liken it to, it was, it was interesting. I will never forget going to school at Ohio University when I went to medical school. I had a white colleague who had looked at me one day and said, after we were having a discussion, being in the hospital, because we both trained Cleveland Clinic for our third and fourth years, and he was like, you know, it's quite interesting. Like, this is what it must feel like to be Black or to go to HBCU, <laughs> to go to osteopathic school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, number Deal one, lives matter. The lives matter. <laughs> but it's real. But I'm like, you hope you get a taste of what we have to deal with because not only do we have to deal with this negative 
bias that we are either one did poorly on our exams or was not competitive enough to get into an allopathic school, but then two, that we are have limited options of only going into primary care. And I'm a proud pediatrician, general pediatrician that does academic medicine. That's what I love to do. But I had the options of everyone else, of all of our allopathic counterparts to be able to do subspecialty work. And that's okay. But the thing is, is that since its inception, osteopathic medicine has always had to fight within this allopathic-based, knowledgeable country that we are allopathic supremacy. Within, even though it's been proven, since <laughs> right, right. Time, I mean, this is part of the Supreme Court for us to be able to even get our rights to be considered to be poorly trained physicians. Right. So, I mean, it's annoying. But the thing that bothers me even more, not even from an ego standpoint. There is a little ego bruising, but the thing that really bothers me is that potential patients are also That's what I'm trying to talk us, about. Right? That's what I'm and talking about. And so here's what I didn't want. And that's why I put out my post and Get my tweets. Get in on this. Come on. No, I didn't want them to look at this and then not run to their prescription bottle or to their, because you know, they don't really know the difference, right? And go to the, you know, the prescription or their records or whatever and go, oh my God, my doctor's a DO. I have to switch or maybe next week they get referred to a DO for some specialist for a surgery and they go, well, I don't want the DO. I want the MD. And that's Mm -hmm. what I didn't want to see coming out of this that is completely rooted in politics, right? Mm -hmm. It's just one group of folks. And I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with, you know, what Dr. Connelly is saying. I'm just saying it's clear that this conversation began because people disagreed with his politics or his stance. And then decided to drag an entire profession along with this man. And my thing is, that's great and all for debate, except for the fact that there are still patients that are not in medicine, that don't know better, that are going to just hear this and be scared, particularly vulnerable populations that are already super skeptical about the healthcare system and the treatment that they're getting. Well, let's keep it real. Now we have to concern with the fact that not only are we DOs, but we are minority, underrepresented in medicine deals. So you already have patients who are either come to us or referred to us who are already looking at us sideways because they're like, hmm, did you get in because of affirmative action? Or do you really know as much as your majority counterpart? But then add in the fact that now that you're an osteopathic physician, it's like, well, damn, you was even so bad that you couldn't even... That's the type of connotation this is why I've been tweeting about it like crazy. You know, I'm interested because I'm going to ask you, Dr. Jen, to to chime in on this. So Cher, I looked up some tweets. I've been looking through people's Twitter mentions and stuff. Cher jumped in on this and she said, Trump was standing on balcony at White House gasping for air. Don't know about you, but I'm brimming over with confidence. P.S. Dr. Connolly, the president's doctor, is an osteopath. I think you mentioned that, Tyree, like that's not the term that they want, the AOA wants us to use an osteopath, not a COVID specialist or internist. He's an osteopath. He's half step above Doogie Hauser. Now I'm interested because it seems like the connotation or the definition is what people are getting hung up on for the most part, right? Like one person is an MD, whereas another person is an osteopath, right? Is it all about the branding? Is it the name? That's the issue. Like, I really hope the AOA is listening because it'd be really interesting for them to understand what we think about how we can do this better, if there is a way to make it better. Dr. Jen, what do you think? 
No, I mean, I, those are all really good questions. And I think it's likely a lot of things, you know, history, branding. I mean, you name it. I don't think there's just one thing. I just know it's really disappointing. And I agree with Dr. Ty and Dr. Tyree. I agree with both everybody here. I think the thing that's got me most disappointed, and I am with you all with everything else, is, you know, in this day and age, I think I was disappointed how quickly people ran with a rumor, with an assumption, with sort of an inappropriate or wrong fact without like doing a Google search. Again, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on it, right? New York Times, CNN, all these really, really smart people. Yeah, MSNBC, the list goes on. David Gergen, who I respect a lot. I remember I was watching the TV. It's just a couple of months ago. It was during COVID. I was watching the TV and literally my mouth hung open. When I say it's disappointing, it's hard for me to really get over that. And so I don't know if these are myths that have been perpetuated over the years and people have assumed that the myth is correct. I don't know if it's that they just don't know what an osteopath is. So they assume it means that we're not doctors. Therefore, you know, again, is it a branding problem or this problem? I mean, I think it's a lot of issues. In this day and age, especially with COVID, a lot of the stuff that we deal with is misinformation. I mean, even before COVID, right? What's the number one reason why people won't get a flu shot? As they say, it gives them the flu. I mean, we deal with misinformation on a basic level every single day as physicians, just trying to give people vaccines, trying to convince them that vaccines don't cause autism or the flu shot won't get you the flu. And it just seems like this is sort of on that scale of the misinformation we deal with times a million, because now the misinformation has to do with our very profession, the very thing that we do to help keep people safe. And I actually felt like it set us back, you know, a hundred years. I just felt like, you know, wow. <laughs> You know, one article, one tweet here or there, I just felt like it set us back, potentially. So I don't know that I provided any answers, just really expressing my disgust. And it's just a shame, you know. So here's my takeaway part from it as well, which is I'm looking at it as in 2015, I was part of this, Dr. Jim was part of this, of the national branding campaign that the AOA had. I mean, it went everywhere, right? It went on like O Magazine, it went on time. It was in billboards all over the country that talked about osteopathic medicine. But I feel like... Wait, give us what exactly that advertisement was. What did they do? So there was a national branding campaign from the AOA that highlighted roughly about 15. The initial cohort was nine of us. And then there was additional deals that was real deals who were practicing that were highlighted and placed in national publications on billboards across the country that highlighted not only the different specialties that we did, so all the way from family medicine to orthopedic surgery to OB, but also it allowed for us to go into different venues or different media that most people who make the medical decisions in a home, which is typically going to be the 25 to 55, I think, or 50-year-old woman push. So Parents Circle and, like I said before, O Magazine, all these different venues. But after that, there was dead silence. We stopped pushing Mm -hmm. that campaign. That's one of the things that I feel like we have to get ahead of. AOA, are you listening? Well, part of this is definitely, and I do not, do not by any means condone what Lawrence Donnelly and what Rachel Maddow and all these other folks have did because Dr. Jen is correct. They could have done a simple Google search. But I also think that we as a profession, and I'm not only blaming the AOA, because a lot of us know 
of so many osteopathic physicians who have walked away from the AOA, who have latched on to organizations like NMA and AMA and have went on to, because we have been quote unquote accepted, and now a lot of our allopathic organizations that we've walked away from our roots. We walked away from the initial group. So now when we have things like this that come up, who do we go to to fight for? We just can't blame the AOA when the AOA is like, we've been here, but where are our members? And that's what I think we really need to focus on real time. Mm. Okay. All right. I was just going to say that I think you have a really good point. And I think that how I felt about physicians in the health space and like, you know, medical communication space and stuff like that is I've always felt like, you know, we need as many doctors as possible talking about health. If anybody should be talking about health and wellness, it is physicians and healthcare providers, not people who are not, which we get a lot of that. And the same thing here, you know, I agree that as DOs, we should be talking about our profession. Now, look, we don't want to have to do it retroactively kind of like this and, and do damage control. And we don't want situations to happen where we have to rise up and speak out. But this is a good situation and a good example where, you know, we have a voice. And whether it's just posting a small article about what really a DO is, reposting something from doctors that do.org, you know, saying, hey, I'm a DO and this is what it means to me or anything. I mean, look, everybody has a different style, a different way of doing things, but we do have a voice and social media, you know, you don't have to be on TV to spread a message. I wish that more doctors would be in media, number one, but I also wish more DOs, especially at times like this and basically consistently throughout the year, we would speak up because we have to speak up for ourselves in addition to our organizations and other things. Dr. Thais and Dr. Jen, like either been on or continue to be on national TV, the Oz show, CNN, well, let's say Fox News, so many different news outlets. Dr. Thais here in the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area on NBC News. Like, has that ever come up when like you are like talking to executive producers and they're saying- Came up today. Excuse me for interrupting, but I was on the doctors Touché. today. Okay. All right. An let's episode okay. aired on the doctors today. And my designation was MD. And I don't know how that happened. It's happened a Did few times back? on the Dr. Oz show. It's happened. Well, it was taped. It was, it, 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 oh, okay. it, it, it is what it is. And what else? Yeah. Segments taped in air. And there's no way to fix that in real time. Even if it's live, there's usually no way to fix that in real time. So, you know, other than putting a post and saying, hey, I was mistakenly referred to as an MD. I'm a DO. But, you know, that type of stuff happens a lot. Or people, when they're introducing me, they'll say, Dr. Jennifer Cottle from Rowan University School of Osteopathic, they're reading the teleprompter and they get to the word osteopathic and we're not expecting it or either not familiar with it or it doesn't roll off their tongue. Like, they stumble over it. That happens millions of times. Dr. Ty, I know you've got stories as well, mm-hmm. but that just happened to me today on the doctors. And uh, yeah, Dr. Jen Cottle, MD, not DO. Yeah, that's happened to me in a lot of different spaces, actually. News and different boards or speaking engagements, you know, because they don't ask. And then if they ask, obviously I say I'm a DO, but it doesn't even cross my mind. And then I'm like, oh, I became an MD today, or it's on like my meeting tag or whatever the case may be. Definitely. It just brings up a lot of thoughts that I have about this, both that you just asked about me and also that Jen brought up earlier is that I do agree. I think that at the core of this is that people don't really understand the medical Mm, at all. Let's be real. And I think this is just another symptom of that, right? So you alluded to a little bit earlier, Nia, about how they were like, oh, well, he's not an internist. He's not a COVID specialist. 
he's actually an emergency medicine physician like me, right? And so I actually had a response to that as well because I just feel like people make up in their mind what every specialty does, right? They have an idea of what a nurse practitioner is. They have an idea what a physician assistant is. Listen, my PA friends are like, could you please tell people that we are not just assisting you and handing you stuff? Like we're actually seeing patients, right? Like every aspect of medicine to some degree feels this from some other group where they're misunderstood. And I just think it's another symptom of the fact that people just don't understand medicine. They don't understand the different specialties. They don't know who does what. Come on, y'all. Now, trust me, I've been there, so I know. So whether it's you're not challenged at work anymore or administration is pissing you off or look, you just can't stand your partners anymore. You know when the writing is on the wall to leave your practice. Now, our sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts that are ready to guide you through today's physician job landscape. With over 20 years of experience, they are committed to finding you the right team, the perfect setting, and the work you are meant to do. PSND in-house recruiters are not focused on quotas and they don't work on commission. That's what I'm talking about. Whether this is your moment to shine, pivot direction, discover something new, or heck, look, just be a doc outside the box, Provider Solutions and Development has access to hundreds of opportunities across the country. Reach out today at www.psdrecruit.org forward slash Docs outside the box. The fact that they can't fathom that an ER doc could have the knowledge and training to actually deal with an infectious disease or critical care issue. Again, it's like all the comments I kept reading, all I kept thinking was these folks have no idea. They have no idea, right? And so I don't know how to fix that because I feel like if we could fix that, we could also fix diabetes and high blood pressure and healthy eating, right? Because it's all kind of rooted in the mm-hmm. same, just not understanding medicine and health, right? And so that's what it screams to me more than anything else. And another thing that Jen was saying that I wanted to chime in on was about the whole concept of maybe like introduce, like having DO on your white coat at work or having that conversation with your patients. I will be honest, at certain points in my career, depending on where I worked or how early I was in my career, I forget where I worked, but I had DL on my coat and every person asked me about it. And some of them were curious and were just like, oh, what does that stand for? Right. And then we can have a conversation. But some of them didn't approach it that way. In the ER, it's like, look, I'm meeting people for the first time. I'm giving them bad news with no relationship. It's not like they come to me every week and I've earned their trust, right? I'm telling them the worst thing on earth or the best thing on earth, and they've known me for five seconds. So it's a snapshot. I have to earn their trust and their respect in 10 seconds almost, right? And what I found, especially earlier in my career, when I was wearing that, is that they would either be so distracted by trying to figure out what it was, or they maybe heard something and were like, but you're not an MD. So like, is someone else going to see me? Do you report to a supervisor? And it's like, I'm trying to save your life here. Like, can we not have this conversation right now? 
So I'm being honest, you know, and I guess what I would say to, to Jen's comment is that it's hard to be the lone DO somewhere sometimes trying to educate one by one by one. Sometimes you need the power, like me saying, of like branding, right? Or like what you were talking about, Tyree. It's like, sometimes you need that to back you up because otherwise you're just by yourself in a closed room with a patient who now doesn't believe anything you're saying because they have some preconceived notion either about a DO or they've never heard about a DO, but they just know you're not an MD. So what are you? And now I'm naked in a gown and you're standing in this room and I don't even know what you are anymore. Right. And so we have to do something to support our colleagues that are in that position because yeah, we can walk around and say, yeah, I'm going to be proud and tell everybody I'm a DO. And it sounds good until you're in that very uncomfortable situation where you're the only doc in an ER at night and someone really needs your help. But now they won't listen to you because they have, they're forming some other opinion. That's scary too. Not just like what I feel about it, but for their benefit, you know? And I like, I don't know exactly what the solution is for that. I'm really interested in all of your opinions on this one. And it's piggybacking off what Dr. Thais said, which is, We've gotten to the point where we've developed thick skin about this, right? Like it's, we handle it, we move on, we've graduated, we got the qualifications. Y'all are doing amazing things, right? Y'all are all amazing doctors in your own respective rights. The people who I feel really bad for obviously are the medical students who are in osteopathic school, the residents, as well as people who are trying to get into medical school, right? Like they're going through this process like, okay, I'm about to go to this school. Is this what, you know, I'm going to expect on a daily basis? Or, you know, am I going to get, you know, lab coat checked the entire time? So you know, between all three of y'all, can y'all talk to those students, the people who are going to apply or the people who are going through this process and let them know what's the deal, please? Well, I'll jump in real quick to just say there was one point in my career where I carried the AOA. I don't know if they still print them. There used to be like little cards that used to say like, what's a DO? And I actually used to carry them in my pocket at one point because I was just sick of repeating the same thing over and over again. And they would ask and I would just, I would be nice. And I would give a quick sentence and I would say, here, you can read about it. I'll come back and you can read about while you're waiting for your results. So that's one thing. I mean, just because it's one thing for you to try to explain something and it's another for them to say, oh, it's like printed material and there's an organization and this is a thing, right? That's what I would offer is find your way of explaining it. That's not super uncomfortable for you. That can break it down for folks, really. You know, because we have these ways of explaining what a DO is sometimes that I still think is too high level for the average person yeah, um, I agree to understand. That and yeah, so, That's a good yeah, point. we got to find a way to really break it down for, you know, the average Joe Blow so that they can really understand the difference. Because the reality is a lot of the differences are technical. They're not everyday, you know, like everyday layman stuff. So... We have to do better about, I think, breaking it down. Like even the campaign that Dr. Jen and Dr. Tyree were in, I mean, I definitely saw it. But if I put myself in the shoes of a layman, all I'm seeing really is like, oh my God, look at that doctor. And he's a pediatrician and he looks friendly. And look at Dr. Jen and, oh, she's a woman doctor. I'm a woman. I can be a doctor, which is great. But I got to tell you, I'm not sure that everybody fully understood that this was like, if they're reading it thinking like, oh, we have MDs and DOs that can take care of us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think it walks them all the way down the road of like, pick a DO to be your pediatrician, pick a DO to be your family practitioner, 
not, you know, I hate when people say like, we're the same because we're not the same, but like, these are your choices in care. I'm not sure that it fully got into their brains. Like I got it, but the average person, I'm not sure if it did that. Dr. Tyree, what do you think? So, I mean, here's the deal. So I not only still work with Rowan University as a social professor like Dr. Jen, but I'm also a residency program director. I'm also very active, just like Dr. Nee is, in terms of with recruitment for minorities to go, underrepresented minorities to go into medical school with countless amount of mentees as well as programming that has been focused on getting URM students into medical school. So the thing is, is that, again, I'm a person of, I love history, and I think history has shown us time and time again how the point that you made, Dr. Thais, because I'm the real Dr. Ty. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We've been having uh-oh. a fight for no. over a decade. <laughs> so like Dr. Ty has said, in terms of, you know, do layman people or laypersons will understand the concept of osteopathic medicine or what is a DO. But I will say that as students, and I think we all have this experience, whereas when I went to University of Michigan, I did not realize, even though I went to a school in a state that is heavily populated with DOs, my family doctor, when I got older, was a DO. I didn't even know what osteopathic medicine was, even though I was seeing a osteopathic physician. You know. But The beauty of it is is that as you start to go through this process and you start to learn, I find that majority of these students, majority of these residents are coming into medicine right now and not thinking as in the past. Before, when you think about like the 50s and the 60s, a lot of DOs were trying to hide the fact that they were DOs. Even if you look at California, University of California, Irvine, they were all grandfathered and to become MDs because California outlawed them to be There's a lot of people right now who are like, University of California, Irvine used to be an osteopathic school? I'm like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, look at history. Yeah, 50s, 60s, where you had osteopathic physicians who were trying to hide who they were. They were passing, as we all are familiar <laughs> with that term. But then you have, like, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, where you had a lot of osteopathic physicians who are like, well, why should we hide? We're just as good as, as MDs. And so it became a DO is equal to MD type of thing. We're just as good. So now where you see a lot of the osteopathic students and physicians, we're like, not only are we just as good, but we're actually even better because we have additional training, additional skills that we can use in manual medicine to be able to help to treat, diagnose, etc. So the thing is, is that I have a lot more hope for the future than I have in terms of fear because I see these osteopathic Mm -hmm. physicians and students who are coming out now who are wearing their DO-ness with a badge of honor. And I'm trying to make sure that I can still be one of those examples now moving into my mid-career that they can look at and say like, oh, every time it goes out, I purposefully, because being an AOA spokesperson, Constantly always remind myself to say I'm an osteopathic pediatrician, not just a pediatrician, mm-hmm. to be able to help promote that. But I'll let Dr. Mm-hmm. Jones, I know you had something. No, I was going to agree with you. I think you said a lot of really great things. And I've noticed with students in the latter years, I gave a talk with Dr. Mike for 
it was the DO Day on the Hill a few years ago. And I was telling a story about my path into osteopathic medicine, how I didn't really know much about it and some of the discrimination, et cetera. And as I was talking to students afterwards, they were like, well, no, it's not a big deal. And we don't really have that. I mean, they literally told me, well, we don't think about it that way. Or we heard that happen in the past. I mean, again, I'm not saying that this is every student or every situation, but I'm with you, Dr. Tyrese, that like, I think that there is a lot of hope. And even, you know, I've been out, I've been attending now for 12 years out of residency, you know, even that period of time, scary to think there's about been, it, huh? I think some, it is scary, but I definitely think there's some change. So I think that's a really great point. I am very hopeful about it. I'm hopeful. And I guess I would also say, I always like to end on a positive note. Well, I'll say this at the very end. I will say about the brand campaign, I just want to correct it. I was not in the magazines like the, like Dr. Tyree, but Dr. the real Dr. Ty. Well, you're both Dr. Ty. So I was not in the like, magazine. You're about to start a beef um, up in this show. So I, w- <laughs> I know I'm about to start a fight. So I was on the committee, but you were actually in the magazines in Oprah and stuff. And that was really, really amazing. So I just wanted to say that. I guess the other thing, is to, when I think about how we participate as DOs and the other Dr. Ty, you're right that as DOs, sometimes it's hard to be the lone person sort of standing up for our profession. You're exactly right about that. But, you know, that's what I'm hoping is that if if we all do a little something and it doesn't have to be something big, it can just be posting an article or maybe mentioning the word osteopathic. And I'm not trying to burden people with an extra job because we do need the help of our parent organization, the AOA and an ACOM. But I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say and what I was trying to say earlier is that it does go a long way when, as you mentioned, the other Dr. Ty, this idea of when we stand up for our profession, the example it sets not only for our patients and for our profession, but also students. And I think that sometimes there are very small ways of doing that, even a comment on a post, anything. It doesn't have to be big and large. And I guess, you know, the the final thing I have to say is, you know, as a hopeful message, I wouldn't be anything else. I went to Princeton and just like you, you were at Michigan. I didn't even learn there was something called DOs until I was applying a couple of years later, only was going to apply to MD schools, found out my family doctor all my life had been a DO. And I literally called up the, a- I think it was ACOM. I was like, who are you? Who this? You know, I mean, because you're wondering who are these people? I love the philosophy so much. I didn't apply to any MD schools. I only applied yeah. to DO schools. I would do it again. And I guess what I want to leave students who are confused or feeling frustrated, which is how we feel is to say, I bet most of us wouldn't do it differently. We are who we are because it's what spoke to us and what resonated with us and what made sense. And we are proud. So, you know, I I guess I want to be hopeful because I think that's really important, not just for us, but for the students and for those who are coming behind us, that it is better than it was, but it's going to continue to get better. And we're proud. You know, Mm. what else will we be? No, I have a question for you guys. What do you guys think about kind of like you're saying, thinking about the future? I still have memories of applying to residency back when there were MD residencies, right? And DO residencies, and especially in emergency medicine, depending on where you wanted to be geographically, there weren't always DO ER residencies. And so, you know, I was back in the days where folks were taking COMLEX, which is the DO boards, and then also taking step one, step two, you know, MD boards just to kind of prove ourselves, right? Which honestly, I think that that's where some of my anger is coming from because it's almost triggering me back to a time period, right? Where it wasn't as accepting as it feels right now. And I don't really want to go back to that space. But, you know, it was like that 15, 20 years ago. But now residencies are combined where there's not this designation anymore of an MD residency, right? Or a DO residency per se. Jeremy. 
Correct. Right. So what do you guys think? Do you think that's going to help or hurt us with respect to the branding? Do you think it's going to help or hurt us with respect to this hope for the future? Assistant PD, take it. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, it's funny because the last year was the first year or this past match was the first match that it was a single match. So the single accreditation of ACGME occurred around 2015. And so you have between 2015 to 2020 to if you wanted to still continue on with your residency program, you were only an AOA accredited residency program to apply to become an ACGME program. Now that you have the ACGME programs, all of us are being ACGME programs, you do have something that's called the ART or ORT or the osteopathic recognized track. So you can still do that. But for the most part, everything at this point in time is ACGME. Now, with that being said, like I said before, last year was the first time you had a single match. So for those who don't know, the match used to be in two parts. It used to be a match for osteopathic residency programs or AOA-approved residency programs, and then a match for ACGME. They were usually about a month apart. And the thing is, is that you couldn't cross over between the two. So say, for instance, you had a choice of five residency programs you wanted to go to. Two were AOA accredited, three were ACGME. You had to pick the AOA programs first if you wanted to have a chance to apply into those programs because that match was before the ACGME. And if you matched in that part, you were taken away. You couldn't do the ACGME. Now that it was a single match, a lot of our students, osteopathic students, flipped out. And the reason why they flipped out, because they said, well, oh my God, now that all the programs are part of the ACGME and MDs can apply to all of these programs that initially only osteopathic physicians could apply to, now we're going to lose out. And so it turned into a huge, huge kind of like fiasco slash just panic mode. But what they, they felt like the osteopathic programs were protective for them. It was like a place they knew they could go. They thought that osteopathic programs were going to immediately take allopathic residents because of what you had said, which is, oh, I have to take the step one, USMLE, and I have to take complex, blah, 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 blah. But what you don't realize is a couple of things. One, you have so many osteopathic physicians who are integrated into those ACGME programs. I was trained at a duly accredited program. So I was boarded on the ACGME side, AOA side. I have a program director of an ACGME program. So why would I not want to pick you or to discard you? That's the first thing. Second thing is what a lot of students didn't recognize or understand is international medical students, especially who are U.S. citizens, are starting to increase in number. You are seeing more and more what we call IMGs that are entering into the match now. And so when you think about the desirables, as some people may call them, or your pedigree, a lot of times programs want to recruit somebody who is U.S. trained and a U.S. graduate or a U.S. citizen because you don't want to have to deal with the issues of having visas and everything else that come along the way. IMG's candidates, you don't necessarily know if you have to have those issues. 
So a lot of times, most programs will say, I'd rather take allopathic or osteopathic U.S. trained student than to take an IMG student. So this past match, 95% of all osteopathic students who matched matched within their first top three choices. Mm, okay. That's crazy. So you have to think about it. Great. That is the things that, like Thais, like you said, not trying to put you on the spot, but that's the things that perpetuate because you had a lot of the old school or folks who are like us, who all the people on this, on this call. PTSD. Right now, yeah. That, that issue, right? Yes. I had, when no, I, let's be real. There were residency programs that would not interview me. Oh, I know. You know because they never had a deal in the history of their program. Right. And I wasn't about to be the first. Seattle Children's would not interview me because I did not take the U.S. Summer League. And I had, was lucky enough to have a mentor who told me, if they don't want to take your boards, they don't want to take your degree. So why do you want to go to them? And I matched to the program that was right better then Seattle Children. So it's like, you see how... What's the, what's the name of the program that you ranked at, that you went to? Oh, Nationwide Children's Hospital. Absolutely. So I wanted to finish off by just saying that, you know, I think Dr. Ty, Tyree, thank you for explaining that whole concept of the combined match and what the studies are actually showing with osteopathic students as well as allopathic students and some of the fears that we're concerned about. Obviously, it's not playing out, right? Which is a great thing. And just overall, just what we're doing, we're doing amazing things. I want the students and the medical students to understand that. I guess for me, the one thing that I was really, that I felt really hopeful is I saw a lot of MDs actually standing up and really deciding to clap back and jumping on our back for that. That was really cool, I thought. So for the allopaths out there. Yeah, patient. Yeah, I saw Some patients. Yeah. were like, hey, my doctor's a deal. Like, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It, you know so I, I was really appreciative about that because I wanted yeah. to keep this on a positive end. I think from the AOA perspective, I think the things that I would say is, is this is a new time. This is a new age. They got to embrace new ways to stay relevant, right? We already know what's going on with the AMA, right? Like in order to stay relevant, you have to embrace different ways, reach different people, meet people where they're at. Some people may be on podcasts. Some people may be on different forms of social media, on TV. So my big advice for the AOA is just look like, holla at docs outside the box if you want to sponsor this show. You know what I'm saying? Because we do things a little bit differently. But listen, like this is real. Like I think we're starting to realize that people consume media. People get information in a different way. And just kind of just focusing on one thing, which may be print media or TV you know, is something that we have to consider doing other things. So that's where I want to leave it at is just saying that one, we're doing great things. Two, I really appreciate the entire medical community coming up and having our backs for the most part. And three, like, you know, we just got to consider different ways to get that messaging out. And I just want to thank you all for one, the amazing things that you all are doing in your respective fields. Two, I just want to thank you all for coming on the show. I know this is pretty late that we're recording this, but I think, you know, whether you're an MD or an DO or someone who's just listening to our show, who's a professional, which actually we get a lot of just professionals who just want to know what's going on. I just want to say, you know, thank you for your time, y'all. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Thanks for letting me vent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we do on topics outside the box, y'all. So. All right, guys. Have a great night.